What's going on team, Sherjan here, host of My Personal Mentor. Today I'm super excited to bring in the new episode of Storytime where I introduce everyone to my good friend and my fellow mentee and also someone who I look up to, McGill Davis. McGill has been working at what he does right now, which is the world of startups and entrepreneurship for the past eight, nine years. He started his first startup when he was in college, then moved on to a second startup, which then acquired, got acquired by Twitter. And then at Twitter, after working for almost a year, he realized that he wanted to do more and go back into building his own product. And he started his latest company called HumbleDot. HumbleDot has raised millions of dollars and now it's on its way to opening its LA office. I want to introduce McGill to everybody, not because he's a great entrepreneur and also a great startup person, but I think because he's a good person, a good human. He's motivated a lot of folks in his life and he's so passionate about his craft and about the whole passion of helping others that I think all of you could use some of some of McGill in your life. So listen in, grab a beer, grab a glass of wine or a coffee. It's an hour long chat that I have with my good friend McGill. Hope you all can learn from it. I know I definitely have and hope you enjoy it. All right, McGill, welcome, man. Uh, excited to hear from you. Yeah, thank you. I'm really happy to be here. So where are you right now? Uh, yeah, I guess virtually here. I am in San Francisco. I'm calling in from my apartment right now. Nice. Um, working from home today. And you're winding down and moving to LA? Yeah, yeah. This is, I'm moving April 1st. Oh, nice, uh, so I'm enjoying like only a couple more, three more weeks, which is crazy. I've been in San Francisco for four and a half years. Yeah. And so it's kind of the of end of an places. era. Yep. Yeah. When I, I, when I first moved out here, I was working for a startup called Peer. Uh, it was founded by the former CEO of Salesforce, uh, mm -hmm. a guy named George Hu. And so he was working, it was, it was kind of a, it was like employee feedback. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that was my actually really my first job. Mm -hmm. um, and I was there for about six months. And then Pierre was acquired by Twitter. Yeah, I spent a year and a half at Twitter. And then I left Twitter in 2017 uh, to co-found HumbleDot, which I'm you know still working on right now. Got it. Got it. Wonderful, man. So look, you know, we've got a lot of uh, young rising talent that listens to this podcast. And your story is one of the more inspirational ones because you've taken uh, a bunch of different paths up to where you are today. So I wanted to kind of unleash that story, bring it out to the front, get people a little taste of what McGill Davis, MD, has been up to. <laughs> so, so we met in Boston, right? This was many, many years yep. ago. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I was think, just thinking about it, like 2013. There you go. Wow. Seven years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, it's a, you know, I would say I'm, I'm excited to hear your voice, but today the market is shitting the bed. Uh, it's, it's yeah. uh, I don't know if you've seen, but, but you know. Yeah. Uh, We've, we've been through this before, so it'll be, it'll be. Yeah. Yeah, so exactly. So you had passions for just researching your background. You had passions for entrepreneurship very early on, but you were in a very different field while you were at, uh, at uni, right? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, so I, I, I went to Tufts university, which is in Somerville, Medford. So, um, like right outside of Boston and yeah, my, I mean, I, I think I jumped around between a lot of different interests. I mean, I, I went to Tufts initially because I, I thought I wanted to go maybe into diplomacy. Okay. So I was an international relations major, which is one of the strengths of, of that the Tufts. They have a great mm -hmm. uh, graduate school called Fletcher. Okay. Um, and while I was at Tufts, I actually just ended up taking uh, a computer science course. 
just as a math credit, I mm-hmm. thought it would be interesting. And yeah. I just kind of fell in love with, with, uh, with, with, um, with coding. And, yeah. and I, I just found it really fascinating. I really loved that, you know, building things. Um, and so I ended up adding computer science as a major. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I also, you know, we met because I, w- I also was kind of exploring finance a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, to- uh, definitely uh, a few different experiences. I just mm-hmm. kind of followed what I was interested in and followed yeah. what I was curious about. Yeah. And I think, I think that's the right way to think about it because a lot of uh, students feel like, and I remember when I was in college, I felt like, oh, I have to choose the most perfect path today. And when yeah. you look back at it, you realize that, you know, choosing the path that you're most passionate about is probably the, the right way of going about it and trying as many different things. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. But, and I, I would say I definitely felt that pressure too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, I think that there, I think I remember, you know, in school, you, you, you know, you almost feel like there's only two careers yeah. at some point, like <laughs> yeah. investment banker or consulting. Cause yeah. like everyone's going into those, you know? <laughs> And it's yeah. like, uh, that, that's really not the case at all. There's so many opportunities yeah. in so many different fields. Um, uh, yeah. And, it, and I think it you, t- took me yeah. a little while to, to learn that too. And you graduated 20, what, 14? Yes. So mm-hmm. I actually, well, yes and no. I actually dropped out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I took, uh, yeah, I, I dropped out in, I, I took a year off from school and mm-hmm. I actually lived in Brazil for a year Oh, nice! and I worked, um, in a, for, I worked in investor relations for a mining company in Rio, okay. which was awesome. And another amazing learning experience. Yeah. Um, and then I came back and I was, I was finishing up my, my, uh, my international relations computer science major. And that's yeah. when I founded my first company, co-founded which was a company called Guide Hire. Yeah. And that just came out of because I um, basically it was, it was kind of like Airbnb. Uh, it's almost like Airbnb experiences. So it's like Airbnb, but for outdoor guides. Yeah. So hiking, fly fishing, uh, yeah. you know, white rider rafting. And it was a, my co-founder was a friend of mine. He had this concept. He had proven it out a little bit and he just needed a technical co-founder. Yeah. And I was really itching to do more like application of you know, real code, real world applicative computer science, because yeah. in the major, it was still so math heavy because computer science was, you know, it's still, it was, it's still a subset of the math department. Yeah. So, you know, I was just majoring in computer science and I was like, you know, just doing theoretical, you know, math equations when I really wanted <laughs> to be building websites, you know, yeah. building applications. And so I thought this would be a great opportunity. Yeah. And actually that the ball started rolling on that. And instead of finishing school, mm-hmm. I, and this was 2015, I ended up like, I only had a semester left and I ended up kind of pursuing guide hire. Nice. nice. And um, that was, uh, I think a great decision. It was, I probably learned. So I just learned so much uh, going out and trying to, trying to build a company from the ground up did everything wrong <laughs> yeah no for sure oh my god like i think like it takes like three, like one of my friends tells me like it's gonna take you three or four startups to get it right so <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah i definitely uh, yeah a lot of room for improvement so, so at the bottom <laughs> no, no it makes a lot of sense so you so stepping back a little bit um taking that gap year i guess like do you have um uh like a connection with the with brazil like family connection is that is that why I brazil do. was an opportunity okay yeah, my my so my stepdad is Brazilian. Okay. And so I grew up, you know, we would go to Brazil when I was a kid for just a week or two. Um, 
pretty much every year uh, just to kind of head down there with him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I never really got, never had a good grasp on the language. Yeah. So that was something that I always really wanted to do is go down and spend some, you know, a, a serious chunk of time down there learning the language and re- really experiencing the country, like, you know, more than you can, can in just a couple of weeks yeah. passing by. And it's, it's, and it's not Spanish, it's Portuguese, right? Is that right? It's Portuguese. Okay. Yeah. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Brazil's beautiful, man. I've been to yeah. I've been to Rio uh, for yeah. New Year's Eve with my best friend back back in the day. Ah, and that's awesome. it's it's one of the, you know, when I when I got to Rio, I thought it was gonna be like Victoria's Secret models everywhere. And it was like it was December, so summer in Brazil. But uh, yeah. apparently, you know, all the you know, the good looking folks are not in Rio at that time. They go down to Floripa. Which is the yeah, yeah. which is the <laughs> island. So I was yeah. like, oh man, like like Rio really isn't isn't as you know beautiful as what I thought. But then we went to Floripa <laughs> and then we spent a week there, and that's where, you know, every girl is like a perfect ten, and every guy is like a nine. So it's just like you look yeah. <laughs> go there and you're like, we look really not fit for this place. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 an amazing place. I I I loved living down there, and yeah. Rio is is an amazing. I mean, just you have you have the beautiful ocean, mm-hmm. beaches, mountains right in the city. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it was so, a really good time. I, yeah. So you get an interview, you get an opportunity working in some sort of finance-related role, and this was kind of yep. like you had like peer pressure in a way. You know, the half the kids are going to invest in banking and consulting. You're like, you know what? Yeah, let's just do it. Yeah. I think it was, there was definitely part of that. I mean, I, yeah. I uh, so many of the smartest kids that I knew at school were going to investment banking and yeah. I was coming uh, out of a year of working in a somewhat of a finance role because uh, mm-hmm. I was working in, it was actually a really cool opportunity. I worked for a, um, an, a Brazilian iron ore mining company and I was okay. uh, called Manabi. And so I worked in the investments relations department. Mm-hmm. And I was just an intern and, but I was actually ended up, it was an 80 person company, but I was the only actually native English speaker. Oh, wow. So a lot yeah. of the, the, you know, people who are running the, the company, I mean, they were, they had, they had, they spoke English perfectly. I mean, they had yeah, someone yeah. went to like Harvard and school in the States, yeah. but you know, there's just little subtleties of being a native speaker. And yeah. most of the investors were, a lot of them were, you know, American and Canadian. So I ended up getting mm-hmm. to sit in on a lot of these oh, investor nice. calls which was really an awesome experience. Yeah. And so I thought, okay, uh, after that, I, I also interned uh, for a little bit um, at a, a small kind of private equity firm in London. Okay. And so I was like, okay, yeah, this seems like something I could be really interested in. Really interested in. I really liked uh, and that was the, same the year? aspect. That was that, yeah, that was that okay. so the summer of 2013, I think. Gotcha. And then, yeah, so then going into the fall, mm-hmm. which was kind of my junior year, yeah. Uh, since I had taken that gap year, uh, I thought I, I really like the aspect of oh, well, a I, a lot of really smart people I know are going into this field. Yeah. And B, I like this aspect of you know learning a lot about a lot of different industries. Mm-hmm. Um. And so yeah, I, that's when that's where yeah. we met. I, I attended the you know the leaders yeah, workshop. Yeah, yeah. So two in, questions in Harvard. In, at Harvard. Yeah. yeah. Two questions on that. So looking back. I'm sure a lot of kids right now, uh, you know, in college have opportunity to go abroad or take a year off. Like how much, you know, looking back at it, was it a positive learning experience? Or do you think like it's better to just do four years and get into the industry ASAP? Um, no, I 100% think that, that, that I would highly recommend uh, taking that experience and, and getting the experience outside of school. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
for one, I was, um, I, you know, I was taking some classes, especially in the fall, the yeah. fall semester in Brazil, uh, mostly language classes mm-hmm. uh, at, at the university, but it was mostly like it was working. So it was really one of my first, you know, first times like working an office job. Yeah. And I think having that experience is so important, let alone like learning the experience of living in a different culture, of learning a different language. Oh, these are sure. all things that are just so, I think so so valuable. Yeah, and and it's there's such a diff. It's a different context of learning, I think, compared to being in a classroom. It's also like just yeah, like think- life lessons. Like you you learn how totally. to you know like survive on your own. You're not on a school in a student yeah. dorm in this like you know bubble around. You know everybody's the same as you. But you're in like an adult life very early on. I totally agree. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I think like. I think I love university. I think there's, there's so much value in going there, but yeah, it's it, in many ways, it's a safe space. Right. Yeah. Like, and you, and you kind of learn it, I think very quickly, you know, mm-hmm. after one or two years, you're very comfortable there. Yeah. And so I think, you know, if you're not, if you're, you know, you, you, if you, you need to grow through discomfort and through challenge, yeah. I think it was, it was great in that sense. No, I love that. I, I remember in uh, junior year of my um, undergrad, uh, a lot of my friends, I would say half of my friends did this thing called the PUI, which is called the professional experience year, I think. Um, yeah. And you, can, you can take 12 months to 16 months uh, off um, starting like the end of third year. And you can go do like a full year or like, you know, a yeah. year plus four months at a, at a company or two companies, whatever. And I was so against it back then. I was like, oh, that's stupid. Why would you delay your life by a year? And, yeah. and not seeing the big picture because you feel like there's the, the finish line is the four year degree, but that's not the finish line. The finish line totally. is when you're like 65. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> so I, yeah. I, I, I regret it. And some of my friends, including my best friend who ended up doing the PY, uh, you know, came out a lot stronger, in my opinion, in terms of like just knowing what they were getting into and their, you know, their, their focus about what they were passionate about was a lot sharper yeah. than someone like myself. So, so I totally agree yeah. with that. I mean, uh, yeah, just really quick, one, one point to that. I think this is a, there's like a, a, a cycle of thinking that I got, I got caught in a lot, mm-hmm. which, is, which is this cycle of schooling where it's like, you know, you have four years of high school, mm-hmm. take a test, you apply, you go to college. Then you have yeah. four years of college, take a test, apply. And I think one of the things that was appealing about investment banking in some yeah. ways as well is because they, they set up that process so much like a college yeah. application process that so you can map it out. You yeah. just apply. There's this very kind of laid out uh, application process. Do two yeah. years, then you get this, and so it, it the road, you know, it, it, it you feel very comfortable because you mm-hmm. can understand it all. Yeah. And I would say, yeah, like like you were saying, like life it actually can start so much sooner than that. You know, oh, for sure, you have so many opportunities. There, uh, I think we, get, I, I definitely got caught up in this concept of yeah, like that. There's only one way to do yeah. this. But, oh man, one of the, an infinite number. Yeah. Oh dude, one of the one of the talks I gave um in Hong Kong was the 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 topic I picked was being uncomfortable in the comfort zone, right? Yeah. Um and the comfort zone like you just mentioned, I call it as that that four year take a test, four year take a test, you know, yeah. four year and then you know, so you, you graduate college, you go to Goldman Sachs, and you graduate, you go to KKR, then you graduate, you go to Harvard Business School. Yep. And and yes. this whole path until you're 30 is kind of like predetermined by society in a way. And yep. I've seen so many people who get to near the end of that path, and they feel so lost, because there's no at some point, there's no more path ahead. 
it's the real yeah. life, right? There's no exit. Yeah. There's no sign. It's like an intersection with 50 exits and yes. you get there yeah. and you're like, uh, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to yeah. do. And you need to start becoming uncomfortable or being, I, forget that, I think being uncomfortable in the comfort zone. Um, you need to start yeah. seeing all these options and, and as early as possible, get out of this, you know, system that's been built in this society. And, and the yeah. sooner you can do that, the, you know, the stronger you will be and the quickly you'll, the more quickly you'll get to, you know, what you're more excited about. Totally. And I, I've actually seen that now, you know, I'm now I'm 28. So I've actually seen friends who have gone through kind of started on that path, mm -hmm. you know, with not even thinking much about what, what actually interests them or excites them. And then they get, you know, I, I, I think a, probably half the people I know that kind of went down one of these yeah, kind of like investment bank consulting about, they've, they've like, they radically changed oh, their career, yeah. like oh, for sure. in the last year or so, because I think they realized like, you know, maybe like a little delayed, but it was uh, the realization was I'm not actually passionate about this or yeah. this, is, or maybe I'm not, maybe not, I'm not passionate about this, but I, I care so much more about X or Y. Yeah. I want to go do yeah. that. Yeah, man. If I was like in college today, I think one of the things I would do is do my best to spend one or two days a week with people from different industries, just reach yeah. out to them and just be open to it without like having any stigma against it. Like, you know, like if you yeah. were, let's just say, in undergrad and you weren't at the McKinsey info session or the Goldman Sachs info session, automatically in your mind, you were like, oh, I'm a failure. Like, uh, well, why yeah. didn't yeah. I, you know, it's like, oh, <laughs> I didn't get invited to invite to this like super cool, you know, VIP secret club, um, yeah. invite only club. But I think like, you know, now looking back, I wish I was at the Facebook info session back in the day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> when no one knew what it was. No, no one knew it was, right? Like, there. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And then I was just like, look, look at these nerds going to the Facebook info session. Like, you know, they're going to end up at some like, you know, cubicle coding. But, yeah, uh, but yeah, exactly. now they're all laughing at me. Uh, good, man. So, so you started your first startup and you decided, so you, didn't, you decided not to pursue more schooling, but you kind of got excited about what you were building. So let's, let's start yeah. there. Yep. Um, yeah. So uh, basically I started working on this in the fall of 2014. So this was, mm -hmm. uh, and I had another semester coming up in the spring of 2015. Yeah. And basically just got, you know, we, we built a, a website. I built the website. My, my co-founder was more of the business development mm -hmm. um, and kind of marketing. And, you know, we got a, we got decent traction. We got a lot of good signups and yeah. it was really fun. So then at that point, um, I yeah made the decision to just kind of focus like decide to focus on that through the spring and mm -hmm. then we I ended up continue working on that until the fall basically got it and then at that point we had tried to raise some money mm -hmm. um over the summer and play and you know applied to Y Combinator and stuff and mm -hmm. we were able to raise some money but yeah just and this is friends and family friend uh, yes friends and family like from a friend of a friend's family office right we Got raised it. some money but it wasn't enough to actually support you know yeah uh, full-time salaries mm -hmm. uh and so by you know the mid-fall at that point i spoke with my co-founder and just you know we kind of made the decision he was going to continue working on guide hire on the side but i yeah. kind of wanted to you know a i needed to make some money mm -hmm. um because i was you know living at home and uh you know i wanted to actually yeah start making some cash and live the, the adult other life be be yeah exactly. yeah exactly and i think the other aspect was i was working alone i was the only technical person on mm -hmm. 
like on the team. And so I think I had my learning had kind of also topped off a little bit. Yeah. Like I felt like there, I needed, I really wanted to work with other experienced de- developers to learn from them. Yeah. Um, and that was, that was big as well. And then, yeah. So I think those were the two, two major reasons. Oh yeah. The last one was that the, the concept, the startup mm-hmm. itself yeah. was really the passion project of my co-founder was mm-hmm. who's still a really close friend of mine, James yeah. Hamilton. You know, I'm, he's much more an outdoors guy. Like I yeah. grew up, uh, he, he's just a fly fisher and you know, it, uh, you know, he's a mountain biker, big skier. Mm-hmm. I like to go out. I like the outdoors, but it's not a passion as much. Yeah. And that was, I think another really key learning is that if you're going to pick a project, yeah. to build a company around, it's gotta yeah. be something that you, you know, you really are oh, passionate dude. about and can work oh, with. Oh, for sure. Years. Dude, like that's the yeah. part that I struggle with a little bit is, you know, there's things that I see as great business opportunities. Right. And then there's yeah. things that I like love doing. Like for example, yep. like, like leaders previously or these workshops or these webinars or podcasts is something that I'm just naturally passionate about. So no matter yeah. how hungover I am on a morning, you know, yeah. I'll wake up and yep. I'll be excited to do it. Whereas like yeah. some of the other stuff that I've done, which, you know, probably pays me a lot more or like, like my work in banking or in investing, like some of those, some of those days I'm just like, why am I in this job? And, yeah. um, and I, and as a, as a, you know, as someone who's entrepreneurial like yourself, they finding that balance where, passion kind of outweighs and you're following that it, it's that's the that's one of the toughest things and then and that's where it comes back to like find that passion as quickly and as early as possible because you'll then be yeah. 100% happy so, yeah and it's it's like it's like if you trying to work on something that you're not passionate about is like tr- going on extra hard mode for no reason <laughs> yes. and and focusing on something you're passionate about is like going on something easy going on easy mode because work feels so much less like work when you're passionate oh. about it. Oh man, and, and startups are hard to begin with, right? Like, yeah. like it's just yeah. like, it's, it's 29 days of struggle. And cause we only, <laughs> yeah. you know, as, as consumers, as people, we only see when, when like the, the, the fun fundraising hits the TechCrunch article and we're like, oh my God, life, was, life must've been great, you know? Yeah. Uh, but then you realize mm-hmm. the struggle, like even look at like, the most successful recent stories of like Casper, right? Yeah. They work so totally. hard and uh, like I've heard really good things about the founding team and everybody who's worked there and the team did everything right as much as they could. But uh, yeah. look at the outcome and it's just, it was, it's a bloodbath yeah. in a way. So yeah, um, completely. So and you it's, went, it's, you're yeah. guaranteed the ups and downs. Sorry. Oh, yeah. for sure. No, 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 you're fine. Um, so you uh, left then guide hire and looked yep. at opportunity and opportunity came through. Yeah. So after guide hire, I started applying through a bunch of jobs and that's when I found peer. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I was originally, I was hoping to stay in New York, um, where, which is where I'm from originally my family's from. And, uh, I was basically peer came. Yeah. Peer was in San Francisco. I applied to some jobs there mm-hmm. I was, and basically all of the best and I, the most interesting tech jobs I would say that I could find were all yeah. in San Francisco. Yeah. And I think the thing with Pierre was just the team was, just, was so incredible and mm-hmm. just like so high quality. So I did, I just remember interviewing with them and just being really, you know, amazed at how much they knew and yeah. also just kind of how personal they were and personable they were. And I, they just seemed like a great group to work with. And yeah. I think that was one of the best career decisions I made is joining that team because I was the last hire of the company, Mm -hmm. um, like number 13. And 
lucky 13. Nice. Maybe unlucky. No, uh, but basically the whole team was just so experienced, so smart, so talented. And yeah. I learned more, you know, or as much in the six months as any six months. Yeah. Because you really learn, you know, and I think this is another really big learning for me, from mm-hmm. my career perspective is, you know, we'll find, seek out the most talented people you can and work with them mm-hmm. because you're going to pick up those, those, their skills and their knowledge. Yeah. And like, you're, they will raise the bar for you. And that was definitely my experience. I, I think I grew so much as a developer. Yeah. And it paired really well with, you know, for the last year, I had just been coding myself, teaching mm-hmm. my, you know, essentially doing things online, you know, mm-hmm. like hacking things together. Uh, and then coming to Peer, I actually learned, okay, having done everything the wrong way, like yeah. writing all this code without any tests, for example, <laughs> this is how you do it the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, and from people that were so experienced. Nice. Um, yeah. Dude, the way, yeah. the way I think about it a little bit also is um, if you look at a career and when you're back, let's put ourselves in the shoes of an undergrad student, a lot of times yeah. they prioritize making money as the priority. Like, hey, I want to choose yeah. the job, you know, that pays me the most or has the biggest bonuses and or I get the biggest, like largest equity package, whatever. Yep. And I've seen like folks that come back and they're like, Hey, uh, I'm trying to negotiate a salary from 70 K annual to 74. And I'm like, Oh my God, like, what are you doing? Like, stop. Like, it's like, none of this actually matters. And the way I kind of mm-hmm. divide it up is, and we can like, you know, kind of uh, figure out the exact number of years, but just to divide it into 30 years, three, three uh, phases So phase one, the first 10 years should be you trying to become credible, like, like earn credibility. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you're spending time just trying to, you know, be at places which are, you know, credible places. Maybe it's good brands, maybe it's good opportunities, wherever you're, you're trying to like gain credibility as a person, as a talent. Uh, yeah. The next 10 years, phase two needs to switch into pure learning mode, right? Now, people don't understand this, but like learning mode is because you've earned credibility. Now what happens is it unlocks opportunity for you. When you get the best opportunity, go choose the one where you can become the best you. And that's learning. And I personally feel like I'm in that mode where I'm in the full like learning mode right now. I've earned my credibility in terms of working at a few places that are hard to get into. Let's just say, and I've done some cool things on my side, but now I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, because I've done that, now I can show that ticket to anybody and they'll let me into some of the coolest, you know, shit that exists. So now you get into that cool learning opportunity. You spend some time there and automatically that learning opportunity, if you're at cool places, converts into earning opportunities. And that's yeah. phase three. That's where you'll make the money. But if people think yeah. of it the other way around, and that's where a lot of people like become short-term greedy and fail. Yeah, yeah. I, I completely agree with that. I mean, I, like the key is, uh, yeah, like one of the keys of, from that is taking that, you're looking 30 years down the road, mm-hmm. right? And taking that long-term view yeah. rather than looking a year down the road. And yeah, I think, you know, if you, fo- if you, uh, if you prioritize learning, right. Mm-hmm. And, and I'd say working with high quality people, which is yeah. also learning in a different way. Yeah. Like those are the things that compound over time. Oh, for so sure. So that, yeah, you know, it, it, it will drastically change, yeah. you know, where you end up 10 years down the road, even if it doesn't in the, in the next year. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then the other point you mentioned, um, uh, about the geographic piece, I know you said you were in New York and this yeah. was, you know, this was the early days of New York tech ecosystem. Now, I mean, New York tech ecosystem is amazing, 
Uh, yep. But back in the day, it wasn't. And majority of the jobs that were cool and opportunities that were rising up were in Silicon Valley or predominantly San Francisco. So I think yeah. like um, folks that are listening right now and are looking for opportunities within, let's say, a certain industry, figure out what the mecca of that industry is. Like if you're looking for a job in finance, obviously New York, London, Hong Kong yeah. are the places to be. If you're looking for tech, you know, San Francisco is still the king. And yep. yeah, there's you know, new hubs that are doing great, like New York is doing great, LA is slowly rising. But yep. if you want to really increase your chance, then your early part of your career, just that ability to be in the mecca of that you know, industry, you will learn so much more, not just in your own company, but just like the network you build, just the absorbing the knowledge you'll see by just walking around town, seeing what people are talking about, what they're excited about. And it just like yeah. 10x's your opportunity. So I would highly recommend not pigeonholing yourself to you know where you live or where your, where your parents are or you know the best way to say or where you're comfortable right because that's mm -hmm. where a lot of people yep. choose pick a place early on in your career where you can actually maximize your opportunity of learning uh, and getting that credibility because that's going to lead to even bigger opportunities later on yeah yeah i i definitely agree with so that. so you moved to san fran in 2015 yep okay with pear you with pier yeah oh pier okay got it so, mm -hmm. so that yeah. it was a team of like 15 people or so. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then spent uh, just only a, a, like maybe eight or nine months there. Mm -hmm. And that is when we got acquired by Twitter. Got it. Got it. Got it. And um, that, that must have been like a rare experience, right? Going through the whole M&A um, yeah. with a massive company. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, a, you know, uh, it was a really interesting experience and, and a fun experience. We, we interviewed basically, I, I essentially, you know, we had some series A offers on the table, but yeah. I, at the time our, our CEO, he, you know, the, the company ended up shifting very much, I think in an HR space mm -hmm. and it was a very crowded space and it was, I, it wasn't necessarily something I think that he was passionate about and he made the, yeah. I think the, the right call to, to end up going through the, the, the aqua hire process rather than committing, you know, the next five, 10 years of his life yeah. um, to, to the, to the opportunity. Got it. And so the, yeah. So, but we had this amazing team, um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that I was able to be a part of and it was almost all engineers. Yeah. So we, the, the team was kind of, we interviewed a, a bunch of, of uh, several different big tech companies and mm -hmm. we actually had a, a choice between a couple places and settled on Twitter. Mm -hmm. um, and it was really nice because, well, it was just a very interesting, you know, a great experience. I felt very lucky. I mean, I was really grateful for our CEO, George, to, to go through that process. Yeah. He could have easily probably disbanded us, you know, disbanded yeah, yeah. the company, <laughs> but he, he made sure we all got a, like a, you know, a, a good exit into the next a good exit. Yeah. So, yeah, so, exactly. So, what would you recommend? Let's say, like, um, you know, let's say I'm a uh, a young talent or a rising talent, potentially getting an opportunity as a seed, you know, seed slash Series A company, massive risk. You know, that company is a very high chance won't exist two years from now. That most, like most yep. companies that stage, don't exist after two years. But yeah, what what would be the best, like, uh, you know, learnings from an aspect of obviously, like, you know, you want to learn as much as possible, but from an aspect of protecting your uh, you know, package, let's just say, or making sure you get something in return as you are, you know, getting those offers. How would you think yeah. about that uh, at that stage of a business and at that stage of your own life? Uh, so that like, you know, someone mm -hmm. else who's taking an offer like that can protect themselves a little bit. 
Yeah. So I think, you know, when you're, when going for a series A or seed company, because there's risk, Mm -hmm. I would definitely take a salary that's, Mm -hmm. you know, make sure you're getting paid money. Right. Probably, uh, you know, the, I think the best small, just smaller companies will, yeah. will at least be able to pay, you know, around market rate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe not as big as like Twitter or Google yeah, yeah, yeah. or Facebook, but that's the trade-off. So like yeah. you should be getting paid. Okay. Um, so don't, so don't work for free or don't work for like under the, exactly. under the dollar. Yeah, exactly. Got it. Not, not, maybe not too much. Yeah. yeah. And then also I would, I would get equity, which is pretty common, you know, mm-hmm. to have equi- some equity vested because that's ownership of the company, which is really important. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, more than anything, just optimize for the team, I would say. Mm-hmm. And yeah, which is really optimizing for learning, right? Got because it. yeah, your, your expectations, I would say, if you're, if you're going in and joining a seed or series A company with expectations of joining a billion dollar company, mm-hmm. you're probably going to be disappointed, yeah. you know, <laughs> but because like, it's just like, yeah. there's the odds are so low. Yeah. But if your expectations are for growth and learning and building out your network, mm-hmm. then you're, you're almost certainly going to be rewarded, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I think great ways to do that is looking at top tier VC companies mm-hmm. uh, as, as like an entry point. Yeah. Look for companies that just raised a series A, a series B mm-hmm. or a seed round. They'll announce it and yeah. reach out to them because yeah. they're hiring uh, and they'll really appreciate it. You mean reach from... out to the company or uh, let the VC make the intro? You're saying let's reach out to the CEO directly and be like, hey, look, I'm interested in yeah. that. Okay, got it, yeah. Reach out, reach out to the company itself. Just find, mm-hmm. you know, all that info will be online. Yeah. And they'll be, they'll be psyched that uh, someone's interested and wants to join the team. Oh, for um, sure. Because again, it's like, it's almost like you were saying before, find the Facebook before yeah. their Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think like, uh, you know, I think this is um, so a couple of points on that. First point, I just want to kind of reiterate is on the aspect of the equity package. So salary, totally agree. When you're like in, yeah. you know, the standard salaries that whatever you see for Google's of the world or Twitter's of the world, you know, take, you know, take a, at a, at a, at a low minimum, like take a 25% pay cut from an entry level at a maximum. Yeah. And, and that yeah. should be your base where you should be at least earning that. Because if you're applying yeah. for these jobs, a lot of these companies are in cities that are actually very expensive. So they also understand yeah. that there's a, there's a bare minimum we must pay for this person to survive in the city. But uh, a good yeah. rule of thumb, I would, and you tell me if you, if you think that's the right number. It's like, I think a 25% pay cut from a mega, mega tech company is probably the yeah. right base to think about. Um, on the equity side, if you're a founder, um, you know, it's usually 50-50. So let's say, you know, you and another yep. friend of yours start something, you're 50-50 on the, on the cap structure. So you get 50% of each. But then the next five people that are like key hires, you know, they usually, I would say, get, if, if they're in the first five key hires that they are hiring, so for example, head of engineering, head of like, yeah. you know, product, head of this, head of that, those people usually get a percent or two. Uh, mm-hmm. of, the, of the equity and then the, and then after that all the people that are below them and the, the first 25 hires let's just say usually hover around a quarter percent in equity on average is that am I yeah. am I am I on the right uh, spectrum yeah I think between I think yeah I think that's right I mean probably between a quarter and a tenth of a percent yeah okay pending yeah. the company it, it could get lower after that initial yeah. And then like if again, you're like, like an engineer, yeah, like if you're an engineer, yeah. there's a higher, if you're an engineer or more <laughs> critical to the product, 
there's a higher chance mm -hmm. you'll be at a quarter of a percent uh, as one yeah. of the later employees. But if you're more related to the operations of the business, maybe you're coming in as an HR person, or maybe you're kind of the digital marketing person or something, someone who's not as critical to product, yeah. then you might be on the 0.1% of the cap, uh, of the equity. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that's, so that's just a little like a summary of what the compensation you can expect. But remember like, you know, again, we're not basing this on the fact that this is, this is why you should join a startup. You should be joining for the learning experience. And if yeah. you, and on the second point you mentioned, which was if you pick the, the right, you know, companies uh, or close to it, then there's a much higher chance that your 0.1% may end up being at least a million dollars. Right. If, if yeah. things go right in five years. Now, remember, if you joined Goldman Sachs uh, at the same time, yes, you may have a higher salary, right? But there's no yep. upside. So five years yeah. later, I've never met a Goldman Sachs person who has $1 million in the bank. I can guarantee you that. There's yep. not a single junior employee at Goldman Sachs where after five years, they have a you know stock options or something worth a million dollars. On top of that, yep. the second thing that you're missing out is that if you join Goldman Sachs out of college and you work there for five years versus you join, let's say, a, a, a Series A startup, uh, which has a high potential of, uh, of doing well because they have good investors, good founding team and all that stuff. And you end up you know, having that opportunity. But five years of learning at that startup is 100x learning than being at a Goldman Sachs for five years. And, and I will stick to it because stick by that point forever because you learn so much, like you learn everything from not only like, uh, you know, building the product or working with product team, marketing team, legal team, launch team, founding members, investors, uh, media, like the amount of hats you wear, it's, is, is, is crazy. Yeah. And, and on top of that, I think the other skill you learn when you work for companies like that is you learn survival. Like everything yeah. that you do, you got to do your best work. Otherwise you die. <laughs> yeah. Company. Yeah. <laughs> totally. And I think also you, you, like, yeah, you learn, you need to optimize for learning because that's mm -hmm. also how a startup succeeds. How quickly can you figure out the current problem? How mm -hmm. quickly can you learn how to overcome this? And if you, if you can develop that skill of learning, you will yeah. be successful your whole career. I think, you know, oh, for sure. because all it is, is you're, you'll be able to adapt to every new kind of scenario or situation that comes up. Yeah. Um, yeah. So good, man. So you get acquired by Twitter, one of the dreams of a lot of folks in, in tech, but you've gone through that experience and you end up uh, meeting my ex-boss from Morgan Stanley, who was at Corp Dev. Yeah. Yeah. John, John Chen. Yeah. Yeah, man. He That's, actually led, I think it, he led the acquisition because he oh, there was you go. in Corp Dev. Um, so for yeah, the he's, listeners, he's really John Chen was an associate at Morgan Stanley when I was an analyst and he got poached by Twitter very early. Uh, and he's awesome. And he's been at Twitter since then, man, that's, you know, it's eight, yeah. nine years now, but, um, but yeah. John, like, you know, one of the things you, you know, people should learn in their careers is that it's a very small world out there. And especially in the, in the top industries. So think banking, consulting, accounting, tech, you know, these kind of industries, it's a very, very small world. People move around all the time and people you work with maybe at another place, next year and 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 you or your friends may you know end up there so so never like try your best not to burn bridges <laughs> is the yeah best <laughs> yeah so how was time at twitter man so talk to me about that uh it was amazing i mean i loved loved working there uh it was a bit unique so they took the team um mm -hmm. and there i think it ended about being 10 or 11 of, of us that joined 
Mm-hmm. And it was kind of nice because they actually split us. They kept us somewhat grouped together. Mm-hmm. So I was a backend engineer and they took all the backend engineers and our designer and they yeah. put them on the direct messaging team at Twitter. Yeah. And then they took all the front end, uh, you know, the client engineers and they put them in Periscope, which okay. Twitter had recently yeah, acquired. Yeah. And so um, I actually got to keep working with a lot of my friends from Peer for nice. my entire time at Twitter, which is awesome. And then the team that I joined I think at big companies, uh, you know, your experience is in many ways determined by your, your direct team. Oh, you know? 100%. There's definitely a culture that runs company-wide that's important, but I'd say like most, most uh, you're going to love it or hate it depending on your team and your manager, right? Oh, and 100%. So, yeah. I, I got so fortunate in both senses. Yeah. When I was at my, t- yeah. Yeah. When I was at Google, just to add to that point, you know, mm-hmm. we had a small team initially, like five people, and I got assigned yeah. to this one partner who was, uh, you know, he was very open about international and finding you know, unique opportunities that weren't like your mainstream Silicon Valley deals. And I had such a different experience when I was doing that. But later on yeah. in my time at Google in like the last six months, I was like in opportunities. We, I, I, we had you know, switched kind of like who I was working for at that point, point within the team. And it's a totally different experience. Like your happiness relies totally on who are the people that you're working on a daily basis with, uh, yeah. regardless of the fact that you're at Google, the mothership, but, um, you know, totally right, man. hundred percent on that. Yeah. Yeah, completely. And like, then also the, the, that becomes, you know, the people that you work with throughout your whole career, those be, that becomes your network, the people that you are close mm-hmm. with and you can trust throughout your career. Oh, and yeah. so I met so many more people on the DM team that, you know, we had a really strong team culture and uh, like to this point, I mean, the, the team has kind of all separated now and yeah. in different places or on different teams in Twitter, but mm-hmm. still some of my closest friends in, in work or in, in life um, I met there. So I, I got really, I feel really fortunate for the people I got to work for both at Peer and then with the DM team yeah. at Twitter. I'd also say the learnings from going to a startup to a big company Mm-hmm. And seeing that juxtaposition was really, really valuable. Yeah. Um, so what would you, yeah. what, if you could like pick a few things, cause I'm, um, you know, not everybody gets the opportunity to work at Twitter. What are, you know, you know, three highlights that you think like were awesome and unique. Give us like a little bit of a sneak peek into the world of, uh, you know, tweet world. Yeah. So I think for me, one, one thing I really liked about Twitter I think from a learning perspective, I just loved learning about how does the, how an application work at the scale, you know, yeah. cause there were, there's only so many companies, you know, probably more and more now, but at the time, like there's only so many companies that operate at the scale that Twitter does yeah, and, and need to operate at the speed and the, like that mm-hmm. Twitter does. Mm-hmm. And so learning about, Oh my God, this is how you build an application that serves you know, hundreds of millions of people. Yeah. Billions of tweets, you know, Oh I think God. that was really cool. Um, it was also, you know, outside of internships, the first time I had really worked in a bigger company. Mm-hmm. And so uh, there was just tons of learnings there. Just, I think about how things get done, um, which are valuable, you know, cause the process is very different. Yeah. Um, also, ju- you know, it's, I think more deliberate, there's definitely more consensus that needs to be formed. And so, um, there's also trade-offs too. Like I think at bigger companies, you get mm-hmm. to go deeper on certain topics than you do at startups. Yeah. So if you get to be more thorough, you know, Yeah. and cause you have the time to figure it out and it's mm-hmm. important that you get it like really, really right. Whereas the startups is much more kind of like 
you know, you're just learning as fast as you can yeah. and you don't, you can't go as deep as you want. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the benefits too were, were really nice. I oh, mean, for sure. <laughs> that was, yeah. I mean, just like the really great, great salary, but also just amazing benefits. Amazing. Best food ever. Yeah. Twitter. Amazing <laughs> office right in the right. Like, you know, yeah. not in the cleanest neighborhood, but like up and coming neighborhood. of service. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, um, yeah. And yeah. Great yeah. office. Yeah. So this, this basically cultivated your next adventure. Yep. Yeah. And then, yeah. So after about a year at at Twitter, um, we had a, basically, um, you know, our, our, after the acquisition, we, we got a package deal and Mm -hmm. um, that paid out some stock uh, options, but it Mm -hmm. vested, which is pretty common. It 25% vested after the first year. Nice. That's also how people will issue kind of like our equity and startups. It'll be like, you'll get 4%, 1% will vest after the first year and then the rest will vest quarterly generally. And so we kind of had a similar setup. So I spent a year just learning, working at Twitter. And then after a year, I got my first vesting. And that's when Will, my co-founder of Humbledot, he had, we had worked at Peer together, but he was part of the group that got put on Periscope. Mm -hmm. We stayed really close friends. We would get lunch pretty much every week um, Mm -hmm. and uh, just kind of like talk about our experiences at Twitter and what we're working on, what we're excited about. And we ended up, um, you know, striking up this idea like, okay, it's been a year. Maybe we should, we we had some ideas around a tool that we could build to help out, uh, you know, with our teams at Twitter. Like I think a lot of people were, uh, yeah, it, 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 I won't go into the details because yeah, yeah. it's That's changed fine. so much. But yeah, we we basically yeah stru- we started working on this on uh, weeknights and weekends, mm-hmm. and it was just kind of a fun little side project initially. Yeah. and this is what actually ended up becoming Humblebot. Got it. So you guys saw mm-hmm. some trends. You guys saw like okay, you've been through some of the process. You kind of knew, you know, how a young company can you know build a beautiful product. A B get it to a point where a bigger company can be excited about it. And the whole point about working together was, was uh, exciting for you both. So, yeah. so then, then the big, big question came, let's pull the trigger. So how, how did that decision, how did you guys execute that decision? Cause that's tough. That's tough to leave uh, a big chunk of yeah. your equity behind. Yeah. Yeah. And the stock's like triple. Yeah. <laughs> what it was <laughs> Perfect timing. years ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, try not to think about that. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, basically by the time the summer came around, summer of 2017, mm-hmm. uh, leading into the fall, I mean, we had built this kind of MVP of HumbleDot and we yeah. had some users using it. And tell, tell the and, audience uh, what HumbleDot did or does, sorry. Yeah, so HumbleDot is essentially, it's a tool that allows teams to stay on the same page, especially teams that are distributed um, mm-hmm. or remote and working across different time zones. So you can easily kind of share priorities, wins, mm-hmm. blockers, um, in this sort of asynchronous format. Got it. So as a, as a manager, yeah. if I'm a manager of a startup, which, you know, yep. I have a large team or a distributed team or whatever, I need to know what my team is doing or what the up, yeah. you know, regular updates are. And this is, this is not Slack. This is like, Hey, I want to li- figure out the current performance slash metrics of my team and stay up to date yep. as a manager. Got it. Yeah, exactly. It kind of, it integrates very closely with Slack. Okay. Gotcha. As well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, 
Um, yeah, at that point it was, it was similar, but slightly different. Um, you know, uh, it's, we've, it's obvious it's, we've learned a lot in the past mm-hmm. couple of years, yeah. but yeah, I, I think we, we initially weren't going to raise any VC money. Yeah. Um, we were like, okay, let's just try and bootstrap this, see if we can get some revenue. And then w- one of my f- close friends, uh, at Twitter who I'd worked with, he actually was the founder of a company called Posterous, which Twitter okay. had acquired, um, five or six years before mm-hmm. and he when i we had been chatting with him because we got up getting his experience having founded a successful company mm-hmm. uh you know that, that he had scaled and he he recommended we speak with some friends of his who were uh, venture investors and they had just started a fund called a four a-f-o-r-e nice and there was these two guys garvin on amitra when we went there, we just really hit it off with them. We really, yeah. lo- really liked them. One of them was the first PM at Twitter on Amitra, yeah. and the other one was an early uh, Google employee. Mm-hmm. And so what we really liked about them was they were product guys yeah. originally, and they had then transitioned to VC. Got it. So they were really able to get kind of like, you know, in the weeds with us on the product itself. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we ended up taking, uh, raising a 500K uh, a little more than 500k nice. pre-seed round mm-hmm. to try and build this out that a four ended up leading got it mm-hmm. and so it, yeah i think with in terms of raising we didn't we didn't really plan on it initially but then mm-hmm. once we really met the right people and that's really important i think when you're raising money is make, make sure your investors are are the right people that that you can really work with because they're the only people that you really can't get rid of <laughs> yeah oh man process that and your co-founder <laughs> oh yeah dude uh, we can go like 10 years into this topic yeah. like this yeah. is uh it's one of the it's one of the um, mysteries of the world of startups like there's amazing investors out there and then there's assholes out there and and yep. i'll be honest with you on, on surface they all look the same so it's very it's yep. like building those relationships just take time figuring yeah. out you know what what works for who and when is it's just, it's just, a, it's just the whole learning experience. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. So I think at that point though, we, we looked at the, the opportunities and we thought let's, you know, we, if we want to build a business, uh, like a bootstrap a business, we will have that opportunity in the future. Mm-hmm. But right now we have this opportunity to go and try and really build a VC backed business. And I think we, we did understand at yeah. that point, the differences and expectations yeah. uh, between those two, but we said, let's go for it. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, that's, that's when we, we raised the 500, you know, roughly 500 K mm-hmm. uh, pre-seed in fall 2017. Got it. So that's now yep. another new chapter begins, you know, back to yep. basically square one in terms of a new career in a way building yep. now, now you're yeah. first, now you're founder again and uh, yep. our co-founder again, and then, and you're building this thing and hoping, hoping to grow it in the, in the market. Yeah. And, and my, my experience with guide hire, even though it was, you know, a couple of years before that was yeah. still very relevant. Um, mm-hmm. like what James and I had gone through was really helpful. Um, and, and, you know, all of my experience at that point in, yeah. in so many ways is <laughs> built, built to that. So Love it, I dude. felt like in a really good spot. Yeah. yeah. So how uh, do you feel now? So now you're transitioning to LA and mm-hmm. uh, you guys are kind of believing in the distributed workforce as the, as the, as the path forward. Um, yep. how do you, what do you think about LA as a, as a startup hub, uh, and, and what's, what's next for humble dot? So, yeah, it's a good question. So we, uh, I think humble dot, we are actually kind of going through a, a bit of a pivot in terms okay. of, um, you know, we, we raised a seed round last mm-hmm. year 
Yeah. Uh, and the goal was really to kind of scale users and scale revenue. Mm-hmm. And we're kind of in the process of figuring out what, what should the future of revenue be? Or mm-hmm. What should the future of Humble.bee be? Okay. Um, to make sure that we're, we're kind of hitting those goals that we, that, that we expect to and that we need to. Got it. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, in terms of, so that's kind of like humble dot. We're actually yeah. sort of still, still as a, like as many startups, we're still kind of navigating and yeah, yeah. learning and figuring out what's next. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, in terms of the move to LA, I think one thing that we've really, um, I think really seen is like, you know, I, I completely believe in, in remote work and Will yeah. and I have been testing it out for a while mm-hmm. working r- remotely and um, we've really enjoyed it. It's definitely a different way of working. Yeah. Uh, like you can't, you can't work the same way and you have to communicate differently. Mm-hmm. But um, we, I think we've kind of, uh, and there's tons of resources online to figure out how to mm-hmm. do that. But we, yeah, we're, we, we feel good about that, uh, like making that change. Yeah. Actually, and we're doing it right now. I mean, we've nice. been working remote because of this whole uh, coronavirus. Oh, for sure. <laughs> oh, man. Like, you know, but, God, yeah. this is, it's scary shit for sure. But I also would say, yeah, like you mentioned a little bit earlier, there's set, these other hubs in the States are really, really blowing up in terms of opportunity. Yeah. Like LA, New York, these other tech hubs. Yeah. Austin as well, I've heard. Austin, yeah. Boulder, yeah. Seattle. Yeah, yeah. Like there's just so many places. It, you don't only have, you know, I... I I think starting your career in the, mm-hmm. in the core is still very helpful, but I think now that I'm transitioning out of, I'd say the early, early stages of my career and I've built some of that network and credibility, yeah. I feel ready to move to a new kind of a new place. No, I love it. And I think one of the things yeah. you touched upon is like, uh, you know, you guys are trying to figure out what's next for, for humble dots. I think one of the <laughs> lessons for the audience should be in a startup. It is, there's no autopilot and, and there's no crystal yeah. ball that, you know, you can be like, oh, this is it. You can do as much research as you want on an idea. You can like, you know, run the numbers. You can do, you know, figure out surveys and surveys and all that. But when it, when, when you actually do it and you start seeing the results and you need to be in the, you know, in the control of that plane and, and manually maneuver it through the storms, through the turbulence, through the yeah. ups and downs and, and finding the perfect path, uh, you know, across these obstacles. So and, and pivoting yeah. is that pivoting is like, okay, yeah. we thought this was going to be a, but it's actually B when we got to B, it was actually C when we got to C it's yep. actually D and, and that's why you do it. And that's why, that's where the learning comes from. Like, you know, what works, what doesn't. So uh, I yeah. pivoted for, um, for my, my last start of the software company. Uh, I think two big pivots. Um, and, yeah. uh, and I'll just you know give you one example of the first pivot. We first thought like, you know, people would record a video, which was their kind of resume, and then they would then be able to apply anywhere they want. And in concept, in the perfect world, that sounds really exciting. Okay, I have a 30 second video resume that's always ready. And anytime I see an opportunity, one click, submit, and it's gone, right? It's, it's like I've applied, yeah. so I don't need to do more. But then when the results started coming in and our customers who were the businesses, they were like, man, we're getting like these random ass cat videos uh, from people. Like, what's going on? <laughs> and, and, and the problem was like, because all these um, uh, kids wanted to get to the marketplace as quickly as possible, they would quickly record a crappy video and mm. get it ready to submit. And then once they're in there, if they didn't like employers, they didn't care about submitting a cat video. Right. So, so, yeah. so, you know, the quality of our employers weren't like we were like aiming for the service industry. So you're not like, there's not like Goldman Sachs of the world. 
So people wouldn't take it as seriously as you would. So anyway, so we had to you know, quickly yeah. pivot and fix the product uh, to do yeah. that. So I, so I totally hear you on, 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 the, on, the, on that trajectory. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it, that's, it's always just, you're, you're always just figuring out and learning as, uh, you know, the next challenge. You can only see so far and we're definitely going through um, some real changes for yeah. us right now. And I think we're kind of in the process of it. So I can probably speak to it a lot, you know, a lot more in depth in oh, a few you, months. Oh, for sure. Yeah. We'll bring you back on. So tell me this, like in terms of uh, looking back at your, say like eight, nine year career now, um, you know, what, is there something you would change? Um, like knowing what you know now? Um, you know, the maybe the only actually no, not really. You know, I I try something I would change. Um, really, not too much. Yeah. I would say just I'm pretty yeah, pretty happy with my my choices yeah. and even things that weren't were you know quote unquote a failure or yeah. didn't work out. Yeah, I, I think that there's val there's so much value in that learning yeah. what I don't want to do or why it why it didn't work out. And so, you know, I, I, I think just always following what I'm interested in, mm -hmm. the, the best learning opportunities and the best people to work with. And uh, of course, also just treating, you know, continue treating people well, being humble. And like, I think yeah. that's kind of a recipe for success in the long term. I love it, dude. And I think like, you know, over optimizing, like, let's just say there was something that you could have over optimized. But, you know, that over-optimization then was not going to lead you to like a, like a $10 billion outcome today. Like, yeah, you know, so, exactly. so it's like, it's like, you know, stop stressing on those little things that you could have fixed or didn't work out in your yeah. favor. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's okay. Move on. Yeah. And I think definitely that, I think if there's anything I would change, it would, wouldn't, it might not be, might not be anything of uh, like a decision I made or a career yeah. choice, but it would be more, I'd say around just like how, my mindset going through it i think mm -hmm. i did i think even now like you were saying i'll look back on certain experience and say oh you know if i just known this or made that decision or pushed yeah. on, <laughs> you know hindsight is always 2020 yeah you know and i think the other aspect as well is going through these experiences just taking a step back consistently and not letting anxiety or worry kind of like mm -hmm. kill you because it, it it can it can ruin the experience and ruin the your you know the present and in many ways like everything will work out in the long term as long as you're like i i, I that's what i think like as long as i am continuing to treat people right be thoughtful be you know um and work hard then i think the long term, it's going to work out okay. And in the short term, there will be ups and downs, but just, you know, keep an even keel. Keep an even keel. <laughs> yeah, Stay focused on that, on yeah. that ultimate Stay mission. Dude, I love yeah. it. I love it, man. That's, that's the perfect place to uh, end this podcast. I appreciate you joining, Miguel, man. It uh, means a lot, and I'm excited for what's next. I'll come visit you in LA uh, yes, in, the next, in the next few months uh, when you're all settled in. So yeah, have, 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 a couch, have a couch ready for me. Uh, yeah, no. I, uh, I'm moving down with it. I got the U-Haul already. Uh, done. Love it. <laughs> Dude, I moved to LA to San Fran with a U-Haul and I had my car in the back of the U-Haul. That was one of the scariest oh, drives I've done at night in the rain. Oh, oh my, my God. God. Uh, but but I'm, I'm excited for you, but proud of you, dude. Um, and then uh, we'll, we'll, catch up, uh, we'll catch up separately. 
All right, buddy. Yeah. So thank you for having me. The only thing I'll add is if anybody listening wants to, is like, you know, curious or has questions, um, I don't that, feel free to reach out to me. I can let, you know, oh, yeah. so where do, where do say my email at? or anything. What's uh, what's, what's I would Twitter? Say, is Twitter a good place for you? Twitter or, you know, probably okay. just email would be okay. the best. So let's do email. Um, I can spell it out or do, would that be helpful? Yeah, just spell that and I'll, I'll, I'll put okay. it on the show notes. Perfect. Yeah. It's just my name, M-A-C-G-I-L-L at humble.com. So humble, H-U-M-B-L-E-D-O-T dot C-O-M. Awesome. So Miguel at humble.com. Yeah. Yeah. So if anyone has any questions about, you know, startups or raise fundraising or anything, um, happy to help. Love it. And Miguel's one of the best uh, uh, like mentors that I've met. So, and he's helped a ton of people. So if you guys have questions and stuff, reach out. Uh, he's always looking for good folks around him. As always, team, I love to end these episodes with a letter from one of my fans, one of my mentees from over the years. So today we have a letter from Lynn. It's actually a card. On the front of the card, it says, thanks a million, billion, trillion. So thank you, Lynn, for uh, sending me this card, uh, wherever you are. And Lynn didn't uh, leave any contact information, so um, it's hard for me to reach back to uh, Lynn. But hey, Lynn, if you're listening to this somehow, just wanted to say it's super thanks, and I'll read the letter now. Hi, Shurjan. Firstly, I want to say thank you very much. Attending your workshop is such a great decision. Honestly, I've attended several career-related workshops, and I have to say, Yours is the best. I actually get motivated and understand what I need to work on instead of learning and hearing all general advices and still feeling clueless. Thank you for making me realize that I have nothing to lose. I've been quite lucky and everything turns out to be fine most of the time at the end of the day. However, I know it's not gonna be easy this time and I've been avoiding applying for jobs due to my own fear of failure. But thanks to this workshop, I get hold of myself again and I'll do just what I can to do my best. Hopefully that I'll see you in London next year and I'll be a better person. Lynn. And she made a little smiley, uh, which is super excited smiley and it says, just me being hyper. <laughs> so thank you, Lynn, I appreciate this. Uh, so you're Lynn from London. I will uh, try to find you on LinkedIn and get in touch with you. Uh, but again, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for uh, sending me this note. Um, and I hope you're doing amazing in your life. I hope you've uh, gotten over the barriers and a whole perception of um, that you cannot achieve something because I think you can. Uh, it may just take some time, but I think everybody can and get to the place where they feel happiest. All the best in your life. I will reach out on LinkedIn and try to find you. And uh, we'll stay in touch.